Good morning. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 this morning uh, because we're in this uh, sermon series uh, on spiritual warfare. I've called it uh, Unseen. Uh, it's taking a look at the, uh, the spiritual war that's happening behind the scenes, the ones that we can't see, and uh, with the hope that we can all be alert, aware, and be praying. So let's begin the, this discussion today with prayer. Father, we ask that your presence among us through the power of your Holy Spirit will unite our faith in you and who you are, what you have done, and what you will continue to do. We pray, Father, that our spirits will be united in that way. And as we study your word, we pray that your word will speak to our hearts, that your word will open up our eyes and our minds to your truth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. There once was a man who wanted to build an apple tree orchard. And he set out his task for clearing the lot. He cut down trees, all kinds of trees. There were cedar trees, there were pine trees, there were oak trees, and he cleared that lot so he could build himself an apple orchard. He worked incredibly hard to make sure there was good soil. And once the soil was perfect, he planted those trees. Now, he uh, did a lot of research about how to space these trees apart in such a perfect way that he could produce the best harvest possible. He wanted to make sure they received the proper amount of water, the proper amount of nutrients, so that he could have an abundance of good fruit. But my friends, I'm sorry to tell you, he failed. The unthinkable happened. When it was time to harvest his apples, his apples looked like this. How awful. How ugly. What is growing on the leaves? Why is his apples deformed? The farmer thought he had done everything right, and now his apples and his leaves had some kind of weird fungus on them it was not the fruit he hoped that he would harvest paul is dealing with a different kind of fruit and it's a spiritual fruit it's a problem in the city of galatia or the region of galatia paul planted this church he preached the gospel there he created a gospel-centered community. And we all know what the gospel is, amen? It is good news. It is good news that we are saved by the grace of God through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Can we get an amen this morning? We now live through the power of his resurrection with a kingdom mindset that this world belongs to God. And how can we live in that reality Lives that are full of justice, lives that are full of mercy, lives that are full of grace and love and kindness. This world belongs to God. But here's the problem. 
the Galatian church had fallen into a pattern of judgment, legalism, and injustice. And Paul starts out this chapter in chapter 5, verse 1, by saying, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. When you hear the word yoke of slavery, or just the word yoke, do your minds go to Jesus? It's a farming term that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 11. It's one of Jesus' more popular sayings. Remember, he said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, right? He said to take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for your souls. That's found in Matthew 11. A yoke was a farming term for a wood cross piece that you would place between two or more oxen so they could pull something heavy, like a till, right? It was heavy. It was burdensome. And Jesus was using that metaphor to call out the Pharisees who had burdened the people of Israel with rules that were made up about worshiping God. Paul is using this metaphor in the exact same way. They're both saying that is not the way to live. That is not the yoke that Jesus wants us to carry at all. Jesus said it. Paul said it. There's something that must look different in our lives. Now, as the farmer walked through his orchard of apple trees, he was obviously devastated, right? The fruit was ruined. There was no way he was going to make the kind of money he needed to make to, to reap the benefits of planting this orchard. His mind was racing about how he could clean it all up. Pesticide, fungicide. Would he have to cut down all the apple trees and start all over again? And then he saw this at a distance. It was just far enough away that you, you kind of look and think, are those Christmas ornaments on that tree? He got even closer and saw the coolest looking thing. He saw this. It wasn't normal, nor should it be growing on a cedar tree. Let's go to that next slide. Does that look weird or what? He thought, what is that? And why is it growing on the outside of my lot, far away from these apple trees? You know, Paul, as he got closer to Galatia, got a good look at their community. And he noticed that they weren't producing the kind of fruit, a kind of fruit that just didn't look right. It didn't look like what Jesus wanted for churches. A group of legalistic Jewish Christians were demanding that Christian Gentiles undergo circumcision in order to stay in the community. Could you imagine? Their rhetoric of hate and judgment and legalism was causing quite the commotion in the community. Can you imagine if someone questioned 
all the teaching that you have ever received? What if someone said you were taught wrong about becoming a Christian? You actually need to set these follow, follow these set of rules to be saved. As an adult, you need to be circumcised. And you need to follow all the Jewish customs in order to be right before God. We would all look at that individual like you did at that whatever it was, right? What is that? And why are you trying to push that on me? And so Paul says to the Galatian church in Galatians 5, 7 through 10, he says, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one, that is Jesus, who calls you. He says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view because the one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Do you see what Paul is saying? He's saying that there is someone or some group of people in you that are causing this kind of fruit that, is not, that does not line up with the story of Jesus Christ. The farmer was intrigued, as many of you are here this morning. What was happening to the trees on his property? He's got this weird dotted leaves on his apple tree, this weird-looking fungus kind of thing growing on the cedar tree. And at the end of the day, He's not getting the kind of fruit that he desired when he went out to set that orchard in place. So he carefully cut off one of those fungus balls, whatever you want to call it. He grabbed a leaf and a piece of fruit that was inevitable. And he set out to find the truth. He went to a local arborist who explained what happened. It's called cedar apple rust. It's a fungi. It requires two hosts to finish its life cycle. In order to have that weird-looking fungus on the cedar tree and the fruit of the apple tree to have the fungus on it, you have to have a cedar tree and an apple tree that cross-pollinate. It completes the life cycle of this fungus. And if you get rid of one, the fungus dies. The arborist said the only way to keep growing apple trees and to stop the spread of this fungus was to eliminate any cedar tree within a mile radius. They cannot survive together. Do you hear me? Let's read today's text in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Paul says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out. You're going to end up destroying each other. So I say, live by the Spirit. 
and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the, the, the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another. So you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. This isn't exactly what I thought Paul was going to say. I don't know about you, but as I was thinking about this concept of cross-pollination between cedar trees and apple trees, I thought, well, the simple answer is this. Kick out those people who are acting wrong. Get them out of here. I mean, he does say he wishes they would stop teaching circumcision or go ahead and emasculate themselves. He says that in the text. But he also identifies the source of the problem. Listen to this. The problem isn't the people. The problem is a spiritual war that is happening. There is flesh and there is spirit. And he says they are in conflict with one another. The flesh, of course, is our sinful nature. And he, he, even, he even lists what that looks like. You can look in verse 19. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. He lists just a, a, a bunch of seems, what seems like random sinful natures, ways of living in the flesh. This is not, he says, this is not the kingdom of God in which Jesus spoke about. This is not what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. This is not what we want the world to look like. This is not what we want eternity to look like. What we want is what? Good fruit. And Paul even calls it fruit, right? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the kind of world that I want to live in. And if I was building an apple orchard, that's the kind of fruit I want to have in my own lives and certainly in the lives of my friends. We must not let the flesh win. We must live by the Spirit. And we need to think about the conflict that is happening inside of each of us. There once was a man in a medium security state prison who wanted to be free. He came up with a foolproof plan to break out. He noticed that when he worked in the laundry room, that the laundry carts were taken to a truck and then hauled off a campus. So one day, while he was working in the laundry room, he hid himself in one of the laundry carts. After a while, someone pushed the laundry cart into a truck, and it drove for a while. 
He was bouncing everywhere inside the truck, but he knew his freedom would come when the truck stopped at the laundromat to be washed. Eventually, that truck did stop, and it parked. And when the prisoner could no longer hear any voices, he climbed out of the laundry cart, only to realize that he had been taken to a maximum state prison. Unfortunately, he was taken from one prison to another. You know, as the war rages on, we've got to ask this question. What can I do to be free from sin? There is this conflict that is happening behind the scenes, right? What can I do to be free from sin? We don't want the flesh to win, right? I think that the first step is illustrated in that prison story. We cannot win the war on our own, amen? It's not going to come through our minds. It's not going to come through our abilities. It's not going to come through our good plans. Death has been defeated through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how the war is won. But it's still going on. And it doesn't mean that Christians no longer have any inner conflict. Martin Luther famously once said that we are not stocks and stones. We are never moved with anything or feel any lust or desires of the flesh. We are sinful people. So it's not about trying harder, but about living in the spirit. It's a spiritual war, and so we must fight in the spirit. And what does that look like practically? Well, I don't know if you missed it, but I did. I missed it. Look at verses 13 through 15. He gives us a practical picture of what it looks like to fight this war. He says, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself? You know, I didn't even include verses 13 through 15 in the insert that I gave you guys at the beginning of the sermon series. And as I sat thinking about practical ways to leave today, I found this in a commentary. True Christian liberty, true Christian liberty expresses itself in loving your neighbor. If you're battling lust today, the answer is loving your neighbor. If you're battling hatred today, the answer is loving your neighbor. If you're battling greed, loving your neighbor. And for the Galatians, in order to love their neighbors, they had to let go of these legalistic practices and show grace. He said that they keep on biting each other. He didn't say it would win. Somebody would win. Nobody wins. It says you're going to destroy each other. The practices of hate are like that cedar tree. The practices of hate need to be removed so that the church can produce good fruit. And that's 
where I want to leave us this morning. Jesus defeated death and sin on the cross, and we are celebrating the fact of that today as we eat the bread, as we drink the juice. So let us be alert and vigilant as we see what's happening not only within ourselves, but in this world around us, in this church. We must be watchful at all times so that we can live by the Spirit, choosing to love God and to love our neighbor. And let's consider that battle as we pray. Father God, we recognize together that there is a battle going on. The evil does not want us to win. The side of evil wants us to live by the flesh. But your side, Father, the actions of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ, calls us to live, look, speak differently in a way that honors you and loves our neighbor. I pray, Father, that you'll give us that power. We pray in Jesus' name.